What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Repack. I'm Justice Mosqueda, and I'm joined here by Tyler Brooks. Hey, what's up, people, Tyler? What's up? It's draft season, baby. You know, favorite time of the year, right? Right? No? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Love to talk about draft picks and, like, uh, what our compensatory draft selections are going to be instead of who are going to be playing in the NFC Championship game. Um, real disappointing game. San Francisco 49ers win 13-10. Packers had the lead most of the game. They spent all year talking about, you know, get the one seed, home field advantage, Lambeau weather, Lambeau mystique. We're built to win in this condition. And then uh, they had the lead the entire game, basically. Um, they don't – They I, I think they actually never were behind in this game until, you know – until uh, the expiring clock 67 rushing yards not great obviously that's not the story of the game but this team certainly fell short of its goals like you you look at rogers stats 29 attempts 225 yards that doesn't look terrible on paper but his qbr is 19.3 a lot of those were short of the sticks um yardage gains you know on third down and stuff it really see let's start with the quarterback it really seemed like this was the team. This was the best team since, at the very least, 2014, right? Um, in terms of actually being able to make it through the playoffs, they're talented enough where the supporting cast around Aaron Rodgers was good enough to, to push them beyond just quarterback hero ball. Against the Detroit Lions, you know, he got his offensive line healthy. Myers came back. Bach came back for a couple snaps. They, they reshuffled the offensive line. It really seemed like he started to play like 2017 Aaron Rodgers again, where it's I'm looking for the slant, then I'll double clutch and, and move my eyes up and see if there's someone open on a scramble drill downfield, just playing out of structure completely. Yep. You know, not doing progression football like he has been the entire year, which has gotten him to, you know, MVP back status. To back, yeah. yeah, back to back MVP status. And it just I mean, seems like it all went to hell against the Detroit Lions when his offensive line got healthy. And that's the most frustrating part, I think. I didn't agree with the way the offensive line was structured as far as this game. It felt very weird to have Billy Turner in at left tackle uh, and Dennis Kelly at right. Uh, and let's be honest, Dennis Kelly had a bad game, which is just, that's tough. That's tough after how well he had been playing. As far as Rodgers, uh, you know, LaFleur took a lot of credit for the scheme. And like, I think as far as, you know, run versus pass splits and things like that, uh, you don't want to be running as much as they did against uh, a team like that. But for Rodgers, uh, the fact that every wide receiver besides Devontae had a combined six receiving yards, I mean, he wasn't even, you know, looking at anyone's way besides Devontae. That that third down, uh, the potentially the last pass of Aaron Rodgers' career as a Packer was, I'm going to throw it deep to Devontae, who was double covered the whole way when the play literally designs a dig route for Lazard that's cleared out and he's wide open in the middle of the field. I mean, that is where I don't know what he's thinking there. If he goes back and watches that, it doesn't even feel like Devontae's the primary read if you have a dig concept on that side, right? No, and he he was bracketed too. 
I mean, yeah. it looked like he was just throwing it up for a DPI, and he didn't care what happened in that play. And I mean that that like dictating who you're going to go with the ball before you see how the coverage plays out. Like Alan Lazard has been looking fine this year. Like, yeah, especially there, lately. I I bet sixty dollars on the damn over on on DraftKings because when MVS was ruled out, um, MVS was out by the way. Uh, so was Bakhtiari. Still don't know what the heck's going on with Bakhtiari. That seems Me like either, a mental thing, and he just seems like a mess right now. Um, when when uh, MVS was ruled out, I put 60 bucks on over 39 and a half yards for Lazard because the San Francisco 49ers, if you're not familiar with their roster, Ambry Thomas is like their only real corner, and, yeah, and he was ruled out. Play. Yep, so I, I thought they were going to be able to pass at will, and it didn't even really seem like it was like a win thing. Like sometimes you're like, uh, you remember the the Pats Bills the first time they played each other this year, and it was like whoever was going into the wind, it was just like you can't throw the ball, you can't throw it at all. That that wasn't the case here. I mean, both quarterbacks played poorly, but it wasn't a quarter by quarter flip of the field. You know what I mean? That so that's not what was happening. I thought Lazard should have deserved more. I mean, he got that one target. I think it was a third down, and he converted a, a short gain. Aaron Jones. It looks like on paper he has a ton of yards, but you got to remember he had. 120 uh 129 receiving 75 of that came on that like popped last play of like one of the last plays of the quarter or of that first half when San Francisco called the timeout and you know frankly bailed Green Bay out a little bit by by allowing them to have that attempt at the end so I don't know man so you, you look at the receiving yards and outside of Devonte the rest of the team combined for less than 60. And that exclusively came from Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard getting a six-yard gain. That's yeah. unacceptable, man. Yep. Against this defense. Like, I understand the pass rush was going nuts. I get that. Aaron, probably get the ball out of your damn hand and don't double clutch yep. so much. But the RPO stuff wasn't there. I mean, how many RPO screens did did – yeah, that was weird. That was weird because there was a couple where you could even see that the RPO was like plugged in, right? Like it was installed in that play. And even when, you know, the box is heavy on Jones, they're not throwing it. And that in itself is weird. Uh, with that and Devontae getting almost exclusively all the wide receiver targets, is it a trust thing? Like what's going on? I thought you trusted Lazard in these situations. That's what uh, he we, said. He's yeah. like, we're a little unvaccinated buddies. We do, we do everything <laughs> yeah. together. So we've been able to bond. Like he's talked about it in pressers and stuff. So I would have thought that Lazard, you know, doing what he was able to do all season, like it would have looked nice. But that there, there are a couple other weird things. I'm just looking at the uh, the target sheet right now. Mercedes Lewis gets one reception early on in the game, fumbles the ball for the first time in like nine years. That never <laughs> happened. Yeah. So I feel I feel bad for that dude. Randall Cobb got one target. Um, that was on a third down. That ball was damn near picked. Um, yep. frankly, I mean, that could have, that could have been a house call almost Deguara had one target. It was a drop over the middle. That would have been a huge play. Even them. slightly underthrown. It was more than catchable too. Yeah. That, that one was tough. Deguara made some plays on like special teams and stuff, but yeah. Um, and then Daphne got two targets. That was weird. The Daphne drive. So he got eight total snaps, drive. eight total snaps on offense, but there was just one drive. I think it was in the second quarter where they had Daphne out there playing tight end and he played all three snaps and you go three and out and he got targeted twice. And it's like, why, who asked for this? Who asked for He's, this? This was a guy who was out snapped by Tyler Davis at one point. This yeah. Year. 
and he's just redundant to what DeGuara does for the most part, right? Like just a guy, an Indiana State grad. It's wild that there's two of those on the active roster. Um, too much weirdness. Game plan is a problem. I also wonder how much of an impact losing AJ Dillon had because we you know when you even have a one touchdown lead, he was the guy that was built for the situation, right? Winner in Lambeau, frozen tundra. It's snowing. Run through a MF or face, right? Uh, just. That that really stunk. Yeah, there were a lot of injuries that happened just to really key moments that felt like they were kind of deflating as well. Uh, and 49ers got banged up a little bit too, but I mean, those guys tried to stick it out and that was, you know, credit to them. Yeah, AJ Dillon, seven carries, 25 yards and a touchdown in the first half, got hurt on the uh, opening kickoff um, second half. So Patrick Taylor came in for exactly one snap off of the bench. So Aaron Jones was out there every single snap, yeah. you know, in the, in the second half, no breathers. That's gotta be tough. It seemed weird. Cause they came out with the game plan of Equinemia St. Brown actually got the start in this game yep. um, as the third wide receiver. It seemed like they were running a bunch of their, like uh, Equinemia St. Brown comes into the game. He's kind of like their jet end around guy. He's not great at it. Right. But he's kind of playing that Tyler Irvin role. If you want to think about it that way, compared to, you know, another former Packer. Um, they really just like went away from it completely after that Mercedes Lewis drive. And I don't think it was the fumble that made him do that, but just seemed weird after that. It, it was just like, Hey, we're going under center to run. We're going into the gun to pass. We're not doing any RPO stuff. And it was really a lot of Aaron Rodgers like hero ball. I mean, there was one point they cut to the sideline and you could see the OC like, or I don't know if it was the OC or, or uh, the quarterback's coach, but just kind of, it looked like he was ripping into Rodgers and Rodgers yeah. is just sitting there on the bench, just like, staring into the abyss and it, it really seems like guys staring pointing at the ipad being like please these are open like just take them stop being a hero and for whatever reason like he got bock back in in week 18 and was just like yep this is what we're gonna do and it's not he like looked, they look great against the lines either he he looked shell-shocked on the sideline a little bit and that's not something you see from rogers pretty much ever you know um i it's obviously not true, but at one point I was literally asking myself, he's throwing, he's throwing this game. It was the throws were making no sense because even on the opening drive, opening couple, you know, they almost scored on that second one before the Mercedes fumble. He's hitting the checkdowns, right? Like he's hitting the checkdowns. They're taking what's given to them. They're moving down the field. Uh, and that just seemed to completely go away as soon as Mercedes fumbled. Um, I don't have much else to say about the offense, man. Like this is, one of the most disappointing performances probably of Rogers career. Again, the box score may not show it, but just he's playing out of structure, which is what's made him an MVP in back-to-back years. Um, he's forcing it to Devontae. Randall Cobb. Did he, he didn't have a single catch. Did he, did he have one target, one target on that third down and Rogers forced it, frankly. Yep. Yep. So it just, I think, I definitely think that with Aaron Jones playing as much as he did, he just got gassed by the end too. Uh, again, Nick Bosa just ate Dennis Kelly's lunch. Um, Offensive line was weird. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Uh, bad. Not great. The other side of the ball did real well. Um, yes. To your point, like, you know, Rogers' disappointment. I mean, I think that's one of the the toughest things about this, right, is that you built this team around them. They got healthy. They probably had the most offensive line depth, at least tackle depth you know, in the NFL this year. Oh, yeah. They got guys like Rasul. They got guys like Devondre Campbell. They drafted uh, Stokes, who done, you know, great. You get Zadarius back. His first snap of the game, he gets sack. 
Jair was out there starting in nickel for a bit. Um, and then Rodgers just falls short. I mean, I saw a stat the Packers or Aaron Rodgers specifically was like uh, 30 or 41 and zero uh, when the Packers defense had allowed 17 po- or 13 points or fewer. And now he's 31 and one. Like he had the worst performance relative to how good the defense did in his NFL career. And it happened after this season with this talented of a team in the first playoff game. And that's how, the gut punch. How many playoff games do they watch where it's like Aaron Rodgers is carrying the team and the defense you just cannot trust to get it done? And now Kaepernick twice uh, er, yeah. overtime in Arizona. He doesn't get to touch the ball twice. And then there was the missed, you know, most 200, however, 200 or so rushing yards and just Seahawks 2014. He doesn't Falcons. get to touch the ball in overtime. Yeah. Falcons, of course. That was yeah, that was the worst one. And then you have this game where the 49ers offense scores six points the entire game. I think it was something they had negative 10 yards at one point, like halfway through the second quarter. I mean, Zadarius, like you said, ate a man's lunch. Kenny ate a man's lunch. Rashawn Gary, outside of losing contain on the final, you know, that third and long on that final drive, had a game of his life as well. He was beating down Tom Compton. I thought Tom Compton, I was talking with KP on uh, the previous show on Friday. He had a good year. Tom Compton is like not even he, there. There's not that big of a drop off between uh, him and uh, McGlinchey. Yeah, and then he's just getting his ass beat like a drum. You he know? couldn't handle the long arm. I think he wasn't swiping it away or anything, and it was just taking him right in center mass, and he's just getting eaten alive. And it, it stinks just to think about how many guys put out of their mind, and how many of these guys are not going to be back next year. If you look at just cap savings, yep. guys that are free agents. Um, it's pretty devastating. Uh, if there's any silver lining for, you know, what might be a rebuild, there are still some key players under contract like Kenny and Jair that you can build around, but guys like, you know, Devondre and Rasul who had such a big impact in their first year here, uh, might've made enough money to the Packers can't afford to bring them back. Right. Defensively, uh, Garoppolo had 23 dropbacks, completed 11 passes, 106 net yards, including the sacks, zero touchdowns, one interception, QBR of 11.8. Um, rushing game wise, I mean, San Francisco cracked 100. You know, uh, we had talked about, you know, Shanahan playoff games. He usually averages somewhere around like 190 rushing wow. yards. Um, the leading rusher in the game was, you know, Elijah Mitchell, 17 carries. 53 yards. Debo Samuels had 10 for 39. I know he had some crucial ones, but like the longest run of the game was Kyle Juszczyk running fullback trap for 13 yep. yards. So, I mean, they handled the run game pretty well. I mean, especially early on in the game, they were like, Jimmy is not yep. going to pass the football. And yep. they forced him into a passing script. Um, but when, when they did run, I mean, they yielded pretty good results. I mean, you're giving up three yards per carry against the Shanahan team when they got Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle's out there at tight end blocking for you, and you have to cover uh, Brandon Ayuk. Like, that's about as good as you're probably going to be able to do. I, I was very impressed with their gap integrity, right? Like, that's something that we have watched Mike Pettin defenses and Dumb Capers defenses in the past just get completely exposed. And for them to contain the running game like they did, uh, it's, it's pretty frustrating because, again, yeah, that fullback trap was probably one of the big ones they gave up containment uh and then obviously the Debo Samuel run but outside of that um Ed 
penetration on the interior linebackers cleaning up like Chris Barnes had a couple plays where he's filling the gap on outside runs and, you know, getting contact at the line of scrimmage. And now that's where he wins. And for him to have that impact, if you just look at the box score, the 49ers offense and look at nothing else, you assume this was an absolute domination, right? If, If you would have told me this is what the Niners offense was able to produce, I would have just assumed like, yeah, Packers win. Yeah. And you know, two special teams plays giving San Francisco what 10 uh, points 10 points is definitely what swings this plus i mean the offense only put up 10 points too i mean i know with the field goal they probably should have got 13 but i don't know how big of a difference 13 versus 10 makes you know in terms yeah. of public perception of how that offense operated i mean they got four sacks on the game eight tackles for loss tj slayton did all right um he he ended up you know showing a couple flash plays down the stretch too, which is, you know, a good sign defensively. I thought it was weird. Um, they were throwing a ton of fronts out early on in the game. Yep. I mean, they were getting into actual four, three looks, which they hadn't done since last time they played against San Francisco where, you know, Oren Brooks is out there along with Barnes and Campbell. Um, they were getting into under fronts where they were dropping Campbell down to the line of scrimmage, um, which shouts to him for being able to do that with a, you know, big body type of guy. Barnes isn't doing that. You know, Brooks isn't doing that. Um, they, they used Jair early on in the game as, as their nickel, um, with Rasul and, uh, Stokes starting outside. I, I think they got out of that just because they saw how adamant San Francisco was on, we are going to run the ball. And they're yeah. just like, Hey man, if this comes down to tackling with the nickel corner, like let's get Chandon out there and not risk, you know, Jair shoulder, not in terms of let's save him for down the line but like if we need jair like let's use jair in smarter ways you know what i mean like this dude is pretty clearly hurt um also some weird things happen personnel wise coming into this game so not only did kelly start instead of nyman which i think most of us took as a surprise i mean we were talking about billy turner kicking in the guard if everyone was healthy not billy turner moving the left tackle you know, yeah. that, that's kind of a, a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, they released Yadam, who is a key special teamer. Uh, he, he was a punt gunner and a vice guy, which like vice is like the defensive side of punt gunner. If you kind of think about it that way, they released him. Um, he had played uh, the third most special team snaps of anyone on the Packers this year. And he was replaced by Equinemius St. Brown, who again was having to start on the offensive side of the ball too, because they didn't just, were out receivers with MVS out and, you know, Randall Cobb didn't get a, a full uh, load. Equinamius missed some plays on punt coverage. Right? Yeah. Like a lot, a lot of the yeah. coverage stuff that were mess ups, like, I don't know if that happens if Yadam was there. And Yadam even went on Twitter and said, you know, we'll, we'll talk about special teams in a second, but um, he was saying like, Mo Drayton wasn't the issue. It's the players, but like at some heads have to roll, buddy. Someone's head has to roll. Like this is yeah. unacceptable. I understand everyone's like, no, it's not Drayton. You know, he's a good guy. Like, it's the player's fault. But, like, so someone yeah. has to be responsible for this. I know LaFleur in the postgame presser said, uh, he was like, yeah, I, I got to be more hands-on on special teams. It's like, we've been talking about it on this podcast network for since September. Like, of course. And that's what cost you Super Bowl with maybe the best team that we've seen since your last Super Bowl team. I think what's even worse is if you look ahead to 
next season? How's the special teams get better? You're going to hire a new coach, but theoretically you may not have a kicker or punter that's currently on the roster right now. Uh, Borquez is a free agent. Crosby might retire. I think it's time for him to retire. And if he's yeah. not, they, I imagine they cut him because just even when there were some clean things mechanically, you know, he can't make field goals and he couldn't get to the end zone kick kickoffs, which as we saw with their kickoff coverage was just, you know, impossible to do anything because you saw a lot of big returns. I mean, you think about how many special teams gaps there were the entire season, including this week. Uh, and I think if you explained it to someone, they wouldn't believe you. I mean, it was every anything and everything that could possibly happen. Muff punts, missed field goals, blocked kicks, blocked punts, returns for touchdowns. You know, every oh kicks out of bounds. We're, th- we're talking about everything, everything that's possible that could be a special teams gap happened. Not great. Um, the other thing that I think hurt them was just defensive line depth. I mean, San Francisco's out yep. there and they're running the ball when they're not running the ball. They're still in heavy formations. I mean, they were in 12 personnel, which is, you know, one running back, two tight ends. And then they would go into empty green Bay's out there in a base three, four defense um, trying to match up against that. That's tough when you have three defensive tackles out there constantly and you only have four on the roster because you waved. Uh, Kiki Kingsley, for whatever reason, I know they said, you know, it was kind of like a personal matter type of thing, but he got picked up by the Houston Texans immediately. He had started 17 games over the last two seasons. He had played tons of games, you know, tons of snaps down the stretch until basically Christmas for us. And then uh, they they waved uh, Jack Heflin, who they had kept on the roster all year, and he had gotten out snapped by Amir Abdullah. Um, I don't get it. I, I, don't, I don't get why you keep him on the roster all year. You don't use him, and then you release him in the one game right after Kingsley Kiki Kingsley is moved on from. Like, you probably needed that other guy. He also probably could have played, you know, special teams wing snap for uh, Tyler Lancaster, too. I mean, that's something that's underrated in this. And they didn't call anyone up. They didn't call Chris uh, – they didn't call uh, David Moore up to return punts. They didn't call up either of the defensive linemen that they protected from the practice squad to get snaps in this game. They were just not interested in it. They were like, we have our 46. We're going in with our 46 and that's it. Yeah. understand the D line depth, especially because they said so many positive things about Heflin, you know, all season or all preseason. And then to have him barely see the field. uh, Yeah. The lack of depth is really a problem. Cause again, I think it was twofold on the run game. You think about the Packers running game, Aaron Jones is gassed and they don't trust Taylor to run the ball. Dylan's hurt. So therefore, you're not going to be as effective running the ball on that end. And then you've got poor DL depth, and these guys are gas. And while you have, you know, some pretty dominant uh, linemen, at least with Trent Williams running the ball uh, with run blocking, and then your defensive lineman get gassed, and then that's how you give up a third and was it third and ten to Debo? Yeah, um, just it wasn't great. I was thinking about it at the time. It's like obviously the Packers' defense was so dominant at the start, but at some point it was like these guys are on the field a lot right now. And this is not, you know, this does not bode well if the offense can't find any sustained success. It just seems like it became a fatigue issue, and that hurts to think about. Special teams. All right. Kick block. Tyler Lancaster was a guy who had gotten beaten up multiple times throughout the year. He was usually on the right side, moved to the left side. If you actually watch the kick block, he is just totally square, just totally square at the line of scrimmage, low, uh, late. To, to move to the snap. I know people talk about, you know, hey, they knocked down, I think it was Dean Lowry who was next to him. They, you know, they knocked his outside arm so that the guy could rush free. 
kick blocking is a step down operation and you're yep. you're you're turning loose an outside guy and you know in theory they have because you have the the kicker in the backfield because you have the long snapper in the or the uh holder in the backfield because of the way gaps work out there's there's two open gaps right and your decision goes to okay well what gap do we want to basically concede them well we would like to concede the outside gap because the outside gap is the longest path to blocking this thing right and they can't rush from both sides because then the uh block the the attempted rushers would then run into yeah. each other full speed and yeah. nail each other in the head so you could only really rush from one side and that's basically how kick block uh, or, or kick protection operation works lancaster for whatever reason takes the outside guy turns the inside guy loose and the inside guy just comes in and, and blocks it and that costs him three points and at the very least that ties the game so we're, we're just talking about that from, you know, that ties the game that builds more momentum for, for the lead that green Bay was able to build in the first half. Just bad, just bad. And, and it's not like this is something that's novel, right? I mean, these issues have happened throughout the year. You look at the, look at the Bengals game. Like the Bengals game was a mess from, from a kicking perspective. Like these I was there. I, it was, it was not fun. Let me tell you that to see that many missed field goals in a day. This again, especially from a guy like Crosby, that was just like, until this, until this season was just so reliable outside. Oh, of they like were a like, he, he year. made yeah. 25 straight. And then yep. it just like went to hell. Went to hell. Um, I wonder how that impacts his legacy too. If you think about it, just, I mean, he had an incredibly consistent career. Uh, and then just this season is going to be the one that's probably remembered most. Yeah, which sucks for absolutely everyone involved. Yep. Um, the punt block, that is the long snapper. That was the long snapper simply losing in, in protection. Um, Steve Wordle, who, uh, you know, replaced the Alabama guy midseason, and they said, hey, this is going to fix our, you know, operations both on punt and uh, on, uh, you know, PAT field goal. And I don't think they ever really got that much better, man. I don't really think they ever got much better. And it ended up costing them seven points. You watch that that play, and I think the worst part is it gets blocked and everyone is just standing around. Oh because they, yeah. they don't they don't know the rules for special teams because they're poorly coached. Yep. I don't think Corey Borges gets off the hook either. I don't think no. he's been particularly good um since the first, you know, few games of the season. You know, people got excited, looked like he really had a leg. I don't know. I don't know if it's just punters having to play in green Bay that has that impact, but it feels like my entire lifetime, I've never seen a good Packers punter and he was supposed to be a guy that could really flip the field. And in times where they could have pinned San Francisco back deep, they just, they couldn't really. And you know, you have to think that has some kind of impact. It felt like when San Francisco had a long field to play, they had almost no shot at scoring. Right. And that seemed to be the case. Uh, but then you get some punts that aren't that great. You have kickoff coverage. That's pretty bad. Uh, you have some turnovers and suddenly, you know, you think about a lot of those drives, San Francisco started in pretty decent field position. Right. Just tough. If, if we'll talk about the future after this, but if Rogers isn't back, go draft Matt Ariza from San Diego state, because one, you're going to need a punter because you're going to be punting a lot relative to green Bay over the last, you know, 30 years, basically. And, Ariza is probably like actually like a generational punter. Um, the last one, field goal block. They got 10 guys on the field. I mean, oh. chef's kiss ending to the season, right? Like it's poetic. It's poetic. 
I think someone asked Matt LaFleur in the press conference about it and the way he responded, I, it feels like he didn't know until he was asked about it. Uh, just cause you can see his like physical reaction to it uh, was let's just say negative. It's just like, have you seen the memes? And you're like, uh oh, uh oh, yeah. It's bad. It's bad. It was embarrassing. I know. Drayton seems like a cool guy in in press conferences. He seems like a good hang. Heads have to roll. Period. Like this. This is what it felt like when we knew McCarthy was done, right? In, yep. in 2014, and then they hung on too long, and nothing ended up feeling right after that point. And it just was like, oh, we kept the gang around together entirely too long. I don't think, I think LaFleur is a good coach. Um, I don't think a change has to be made on the offensive side. Like who, who are you going to fire? Like Steno is a great coach. Like yeah. they, they got MVP production out of, you know, offensive coordinator, head coach and, and quarterbacks coach. Right. Yes. So you're not making a move there. Defensive side of the ball. I mean, they played great when they had the guys like defensive side of the ball. A lot of it's about talent, frankly. And yep. when they had their guys, they made the most of it. Um, I'm not really worried there. They certainly did a whole lot more than like if Penton plays this game, buddy, it's it's or if, if Penton calls plays on the defense for this game, he's given up 40. Yeah, he's given play, up 40 to playing play. dime against you know 49ers using Debo as a running back because they don't know how to handle that. Yeah. So the change, it's it it boils down to two things. Rodgers decided he wanted to play hero ball and the special team sucked and it's both. And a lot of, it is both. Like, Thank you. Everyone is like, well, Hey, if you bring up special teams, you're absolving Aaron Rodgers." No, I'm not both, nope. both, both, both. All right. Um, let's take a break and then uh, we'll talk kind of a little bit about the future after the break. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. All right. The big question, right? Is he coming back? I was coming into this game fully confident the way that Rodgers is talking about this, um, you know, down the stretch saying like, hey, this season feels different. I now have a great relationship with Gutekunst. Um, After this game, I'm not so sure because this was kind of this window, right? In terms of at least next year, you're simply going to be, bring, be bringing back a diminished product of what this year was, right? Like there's, they're going to be something like uh, after June 1st, it's going to be like $60 million over the cap. Early in the in the uh, offseason, it's going to be $40 million over the cap. That's with like 30 guys 
under contract, not including Devontae Adams or Russell Douglas or Devondre Campbell or Robert Tanya, any of those guys, any of those guys. Um, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you just lost this and you do anything other than internalize this loss and say it wasn't the team's fault, it was actually my fault, which frankly is kind of not the way Rodgers kind of thinks, right? Um, to put it lightly, why in the hell would you return to this team? Because it's just going to be a worse version. And you know you have options out there, or at the very least could retire. I don't think he's yeah, I don't think he's coming back, man. I think there's a moment in the press conference he said, I don't want to be part of a rebuild. And so I spent this morning going, okay, let's look at the cap numbers right now. Let's look at what restructures, cuts, all this would look like. Let's see who you could realistically bring back on cheat deals. Uh, what I came up with was, you know, you could have 38 players on the team, doesn't include Devontae doesn't include a kicker or a punter, you know, you have three safeties, uh, Rasul and Devondre are gone. Uh, if you can get a couple picks for, you know, Rogers, you're going to have about 4.7 million in cap space with 37 players and 11 draft picks. People aren't coming back, man. It just financially, I don't know what you can get for Rogers. And I, part of me thinks you're gonna have to pay for part of his salary if you're going to try and trade him. So that also becomes an issue. Jeez, Louise. Um, yeah, I, I was playing around on uh, Spot Track, so they had them, you know, forty something million over the cap. I was playing around. Here, here is the transaction log that I have: release Randall Cobb, release Dean Lowry, release Mason Crosby, release Billy Turner, release Mercedes Lewis, uh, release or trade Zadarius Smith. Release Preston Smith, restructure Aaron Rodgers. That gets you to about twenty-one million in cap space with thirty-two guys under contract. That's probably the very minimum that you're going to need just to sign Devontae Adams to a multi-year deal because you cannot tag him. Mm-hmm. I want to remind everyone: you cannot tag Devontae Adams just because of the the cap hit is going to be so yep. high. So the only thing that yep. you're going to be able to do is tag and trade, if if anything. Um, to sign him to a multi-year deal and then to be able to sign draft picks who again cost money. People forget that. Like, if you signed, if, if you sign all the current draft picks they have, I think they have nine picks. It's about nine and a half million in cap space. So you also have to factor that in. And that's just a brutal number to hear. Yep. It's going to be tough. Here, here's the list of outgoing free agents, Devonte Adams, Kevin King, Robert Tunyon, uh, Shannon Sullivan, Devondre Campbell, Lucas Patrick, Dennis Kelly, Tyler Lancaster, Corey Bohorquez, Oren Burks, Equinamius, St. Brown. Isaac Yadam has already been released. Jack Heflin has already been released. And then Marquez Valdez-Scanling. Um, that's not including the restricted free agents who you could basically kind of name your price and, and uh, get exchanged in draft compensation if someone else signs them to a deal, which are Alan Lazard and Yash Nyman. And then the exclusive rights free agents who basically they're going to be picked up unless they don't think they're going to make a 53-man roster. And that's Malik Taylor, Randy Ramsey, Chris Barnes, Henry Black, Dominic Daphne, Chauncey Rivers, and Kurt Beckert. So there's a lot of moves to be made. And frankly, I'm not seeing it, man. Like, I, I, nope. I think if you would have been able to not even necessarily win the Super Bowl, but make a strong enough push to where you think, like, we were that team. Like, we, we could have been that team. Aaron Rodgers maybe works in a better deal. He's talking about, you know, it's not about the money. You know, there were reports. Uh, over the summer that the Packers were trying to make 
Aaron Rodgers, the highest paid player in all of sports. And he turned it down because he was like, no, that doesn't give me what I want. And what I want is, you know, to be a conversation about the roster building. And now you're at the point where it's like, you don't want to rebuild. Okay. And money doesn't mean anything to you. So where do we go from here? Because if you're not turning money down to assist the rebuild, then there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Cause there's no running it back with this team when everyone's salaries are escalating. And yeah. Devonte has already said, you know, he, he wants to be paid like the highest paid wide receiver in the league. And he's comparing it to new Hopkins deal, which basically didn't come with any guaranteed money, but he's seeing that and saying, well, I can do that on a per year basis and get guaranteed money on top of that, which he'll probably be able to do if he hits the open market, but the Packers aren't in a position to, to do, do that for him. So. Does it feel like Brian Gutekunst got punished for having a great season of as far as evaluation and bringing guys in? I mean, the poor guy after signing, you know, home runs like Devondre and Rasul drafting, you know, a competent corner and Stokes and uh, TJ Slayton again, another nice value pick late. Um, he now has to figure out a way to finagle the cap space and then try and figure out how to rebuild if Rodgers is gone or try to figure out how to fit him in if he wants to come back. And I just don't see it. Uh, Devonte is even harder in my opinion. Just, I, I don't know where that fits either. Um, if you're a Packers fan at this point, you just have to, talk yourself into getting excited about a rebuild. Just be completely honest. Um, get excited about potentially having some draft picks and hope for the best. He he should be executive of the year. I don't know if they're yes. going to give it to him, but I mean, he certainly earned it with the moves that he made. And I think one of the toughest things is I was thinking about this at like four o'clock in the morning. And uh, I was like, if they don't trade for Cobb because of Rogers, they have enough money to sign Odell Beckham Jr. And Odell yeah. would have meant a whole lot, meant a whole lot in this game. I mean, in terms of if Rodgers is only going to, if he's going to predetermine throws and stuff like that because he doesn't trust people, Odell being out there would have made a difference. Yep. Didn't need to think about that right now, Justice. Thanks for that. Yep. <laughs> Just the the ultimate bad brain. Um, I had, I, I had to, to give you a, uh, perspective on where my mind was at coming into this game this past week i had started looking at the uh, shareholder replica super bowl rings and i was like you know what i think i can do this the last time the packers won a super bowl i was a junior in high school i'm finally at a point i have some money to spend i could probably do this and it wouldn't be too bad and now i'm like i'm wondering if this team is gonna win a ring before i die and uh not not the best uh not the best way to end the season. I mean, this is the ultimate gut punch. I mean, this really is. I know I know it wasn't down to the wire mismanagement the same way 2014 was, but this felt awful. I know a lot of people were yeah. saying last year somehow was worse to them than than, not than even this close. year. Not even close. This year's team would kick last year's team's ass. They yeah. had Kevin King starting at cornerback. They had their offensive line was a bigger mess I think than this year's team. Um I, I I don't get it. I don't get. I that last year's team was better. I woke well, or just playoff pain. I saw you ranked your playoff pain moments as far as most painful losses. Uh, I did sleep on it. I thought this is the worst. And you know, obviously, in the moment, Seattle was much more devastating because you just watched everything 
because things were going well, right? You know, things went well briefly at the start of this game, but I mean, you know, for the entire first half, you're like, oh, this was domination. There's no way and watched it, but it's the finality of this one, right? You know, now that it's sitting in lost in a heartbreaker, it's the finality. No one's coming back. This team's going to look vastly different next year. Even if somehow Rogers comes back or, and Devante comes back, it doesn't look the same. And that's going to be weird. I think as the youths on the Slack, um, we're about to experience something that, you know, some of our former uh, writers worked for or current writers is that the eighties Packers, so that might be something we are about to experience. I will say Kudakunz's performance this year does give me more hope of a rebuild yes. moving forward. Oh, especially if you can get draft capital for Rodgers. Completely right. agree. The other thing, too, is, and this is going to be the tricky thing. So there's two, three options, right, for Rodgers. He comes back or he doesn't come back and he goes somewhere else. You get draft capital back or he doesn't come back and he retires. And if he doesn't come back and he retires, the team is going to be in an interesting spot where it's, do we go after his signing bonus and make him pay us back like $16 million so we can get that cap relief and cash, by the way, like the, the, the team structure still does, you know, value cash money. Um, that is not something some teams have done, but some teams also do do. Like if you look at uh, the Indianapolis Colts, they didn't go after, you know, Andrew Luck's signing bonus when Andrew Luck retired. The Packers are at a spot where they probably need to just to ease this stuff over. And as cap and just general front office based franchise, you know, as Green Bay is, I would think that that's something that they would do. And what does that do with Rogers relationship, you know, moving forward and all that stuff. And that becomes even more of a headache to me. So the way the, you know, if I recall, the way the salary cap set up, if a player retires for the cap hit, it is still the dead cap hit for that year. Is that correct? I, I think it, it depends. I think it really depends. Like, uh, I think there's like timing uh, of it and like June 1st, like matters and stuff like that. But gotcha. it's, it's very, it's very weird, man. It's, it's, we're going to be in a weird spot. We're going to be in a weird spot. Rogers did say after the game, he was going to make a decision before free agency. I think a lot of that has more to do with like, if he does come back, he wants to be more hands-on and stuff like that. Plus, honestly, if Rogers doesn't come back, there's 0% chance Devontae's coming back, period. He's oh, going to take money somewhere agree. else and he's going to play with a better quarterback. So. Draft Ooh. content time. Like I said, it's, it's time for the draft. It's hard to even watch the games uh, today. I watched some of the Rams Buccaneers and just turned it off. And I was like, God, college basketball's on. I'd rather watch that. Um, yeah. I mean, Gutekunst we're gonna see, is going to have to nail. He's going to have to nail draft picks. And frankly, uh, the, the, the two teams you want to compare this Packers team to in 2022, if they are rebuilding, is – the post Super Bowl Atlanta Falcons, and then that post double doink Chicago Bears team, right? Oh no, those are the two teams where it was like they were all in, they were capped out, they're paying so many stars, so much money. This is after their window; they still have some of those guys under contract. And how do they fill out the rest of their roster? I think the Chicago yep. Bears, after the double doink year, had something like twenty UDFA's on their roster. That's probably what we're looking at in, in Green Bay. I mean, they're just not going to have money to even be able to give out, you know, 
the Dennis yeah. Kelly deal or the Devondre Campbell deal, unless unless they push the cap hits into the future, which is something that they can do, but that only, you know, prolongs whatever this like rebuild looks like. I think the way you can rebuild successfully and quickly, it may not be overnight. I think you got to build around the defense. I think like we talked Agree. about, you know, there's still some, still some key players uh, under contract there for multiple years. Uh, you have a left tackle. So build around the defense and find a wide receiver one. That's going to be the hard one. Um, give Jordan love a year to figure it out. And if not, you can pull him and try and draft someone else. Uh, but that's, I think the one thing that has to give you hope as a pack fan is the Cincinnati Bengals. You can actually see, there two years ago they had the number one overall pick this year they were playing in the conference championship a quick rebuild is possible uh even if you are weirdly structured like the cincinnati bengals the scouting department is um it's there it is possible just hold on to that hope and maybe love is the guy but you know you'll get a year to figure that out and the good news is and and, and this is going to be taken in the wrong way but look there's a deadline on Jordan Love because he already yep. has two years used up on his rookie contract. So it's, hey, I don't think that's a bad thing either. No, no. it's, Hey, we, you got to figure it out by 2023 or you're out. And yep. I, I think that's a whole lot more healthy than, you know, whatever Jets fans dealt with, with Sam Darnold, where they're making excuses <laughs> for him every year. And it's just feels like it's going on forever. Or uh, I mean, even look at Baker Mayfield right now, right. Where they're like, do we pay this guy, you know, $50 million or, or, do we move on? And he's not, you know, an NFL average starter. It's like, holy crap. Um, at least being able to get two years in with Jordan Love, I think, would would be able to kind of inform you on those type of decisions. So, yeah. uh, you got anything else? This sucked. This sucked. But again, I I will say it. I will be posting draft stuff. I'm very much looking forward to that. That is, even with the way it ends, it is always my favorite time of year. I love watching the college guys. Um, and Guess if I, as a Packers fan, you got to pray for draft capital. That'll make the draft fun. You can see some, you know, potentially big names, especially if, you know, they somehow convince Broncos to take a deal because I think they have a top 10 pick right now. Uh, yeah. Top Ro- 10 picks are Rogers, fun. Tag and trade Devontae. See if you can get something for Zadarius because he could still obviously play. I think that's the way to do it. And then quietly, I, I this is another 4 a.m. thought. Jair's contract, he's going to be on the first. You know, uh, the fifth year option, right? He's going to end up yep. costing like $13 million. Do you move Jair and sign Rasul for cheaper? Rasul did pretty good. I, and I think Stokes, in theory, can play the same style as Jair. He's just not as physical as a tackler, which is something he doesn't I have always like. Yeah, he doesn't have the ball skills and he's not. I don't know, man. I think Jair is a top five corner and. I agree, but there's money decisions to be made, and I see 13 million next to Jair, and I'm like, and you're talking rebuild. I think yeah. mm, I didn't want to think about that one, man. Yep, there's a, um, there's a lot of dark thoughts that are going to start creeping. There's in a reason I have there's a reason I have that jersey, man. He plays his tail off. Yeah, I lo- I love him. It's just, oh boy, the decisions are going to be tough. All right, get back to uh, watching college basketball. I don't want to. Indiana's losing by a lot. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, keep it keep it on the feed uh, this week. I think everyone wants to do their kind of post-mortem uh, for, for each show. Um, hopefully we get some good news. We're probably going to get futures contracts and stuff signed this week. Um, Packers are uh, going to play in Pro Bowl game, I guess. 
they're, they're not even going to coach in the Pro Bowl, which is even more embarrassing. So uh, bring back Reggie Bagleton, futures contract. Let's go. Oh, he could have gotten one reception. He could have gotten one. Could have gotten one. All right. See you guys. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.